0: My name's Kodo. So the topic for tonight is uh, the practice of practice discussions. You know, there's this uh, really old teaching, where the, to paraphrase the Buddha he's talking about. When discussing internal factors, the, the one thing that helps develop the practice, mature the practice, more than anything else, is the appropriate use of attention. And regarding external factors, the one thing, more than anything else, is good friendship. Good Dharma friendship. Kalyanamita. Um, So I recognize that there there are bound to be a range of degrees of experience when it comes to practice discussion in the room. I imagine most people are in the like zero to five episodes range. Uh, and so I want to introduce, like, what is this practice, why do we do it? It seems to be kind of a big deal in Zen, or um, we, we seem to mi- spend a lot of time doing it. Um, yeah, so what's going on there? So I thought I'd unpack that. I've never in any of, my, any of my years of training ever heard a talk on practice discussion. So I thought, let's do this. Um, And also recognizing that there are a range of experiences of the room, I thought I would start with a story. And this comes from uh, a book by Gil Fronstal called A Monastery Within. It's like really, really short stories, practice, practice anecdotes. So this fairy tale goes like this. The story is Appropriate Instruction. One of the monastery's old monks had become a hermit, living deep in the mountains, a two and a half day hike over difficult mountain paths. Many visitors made the trek to receive advice and teachings from the old man. He was reputed to have an uncanny ability to know just what each visitor needed. Prior to giving instruction, the hermit asked that the visitor promise not to tell anyone what advice or instruction they received. After the promise was made, the hermit would simply say, what are you not willing to pay attention to? This was the only thing he would ever say to anyone seeking his help. Many visitors were first perplexed by the question, but by the time they'd walked the two and a half day trek out of the mountains, they invariably would praise the hermit for giving them just the instruction they needed to hear. Somehow it was the teaching for everybody and it was the teaching just for them. When I spend time thinking about that story, I wonder what motivates someone to trek two and a half days to get advice. It's gotta be a hard time. It's gotta be a hard time. And then, what does it do to someone to... Um, is, any, does any, is anyone a hiker, especially like a through hiker? What it does to the mind to not have the pull of our usual stuff? which sort of consolidates around what's recently happened or what's happening in our sensory, sensory realm? So you bit, take that bit of advice in and you just knead it like dough over and over. You know What that does to the system. I want to talk about this practice, this discussion, in um, sort of three, three ways. One is um, as a practice of recognizing what's wholesome. As a practice of articulating, where we put into words our understanding. And then a practice of embodiment, of embodying, where uh, the qualities become a part of us. So I thought um, <clears throat> I would venture to say that I, probably most of the room has never had practice discussion before. Is that right? Yeah. That is great. <laughs> um, so I thought I would describe kind of what this is and just give you a sense of it. So in, the, in this Zen tradition, the practice discussions, they're there one-on-one meetings where within the Dharma context uh, you bring up some sort of topic about that's relevant to your practice. So how to practice, something that's going on in your life you want to you wanna like turn and work with from a Dharma perspective. Sometimes I go to practice discussion just to be heard. Uh, sometimes I think my, my teacher's main MO is um, just to, to listen and do a lot of this. <laughs> She's very good. <laughs> so one of the primary purposes in addition to this, like really open space where anything can be there, uh, is actually to provide an opportunity for this person you trust to offer the instruction that's specific, just for you, just, and just right now. You know, the one that the one that takes in the whole constellation of your situation and then maybe puts out there in the room, huh, I wonder if you've thought about this. It's the instruction just for you. So this sort of um, recognizing, articulating and embodying, it doesn't just happen in these one-on-one meetings. It's not like that's where all the juice is in Zen practice, of course. We have things like this where we get together in a group and we talk about a theme, have q and I consider this good, good Dharma friendship, Dharma buddies, that's awesome, we'll hear more about that later, uh, small groups, classes, all these sorts of things where you, you can get together with uh, other people who are practicing. But just to hold this one up and shine a light on it, practice discussion. Some context in the tradition, we have all of this koan literature, has anyone seen the books? It's like these, these meetings between teachers and disciples and some decisive and seemingly random thing is said. And then somehow the teacher has the phrase or they have an understanding where there's an insight right in the moment. So we have all this in the background. Um, I remember my first, my first practice discussions were terrifying, just terrifying, in part because they were super formal. Um, the place where I was going, I'd never really seen the teacher speak in a, you know, normal, socialized way. I'd only ever seen him do Dharma talk. And then I was going to go into this room and talk to this person, and I'm like, I was really scared. Confession. Um, but yeah, yeah. What I came to notice is, um, very, very slowly, that this, in fact, was a very safe space. It was a very safe space to bring forward anything, anything that I, I needed to bring up. So we have, we have a super formal aspect of the tradition, also have a really informal way of meeting in the tradition. Um, on the formal side, we have these stories of Dogen, uh, when he's in China, um, going, to meet, going to meet his teacher at like midnight. In the abbot's quarters, and he burns a stick of incense and does a hundred bows. We're not going to ask you to do a hundred bows. So all this is in the background, you know. These days, practice discussion happens uh, certainly on retreat, on sesshin, when we do when we do concentrated sitting. Also, we do it off off retreat, sort of our daily life practice and discussion. as this seems to be coming up and I think is important to emphasize, I have have heard and experienced for myself, practice discussion feels like a high pressure situation. Is that that relatable? Yeah. It's like, we're going to go have a one-on-one discussion with this person? Like, may as well be from another planet. So, there's this other, there's this other high high stakes practice that we have in uh, in Zen called orioki. It's a formal. So everything is very prescribed. I've talked about this some before, younger than Zen. The um, in invariably, it's very very common that um, first time people do this, the first twenty times people do it, they're really worried about the details. Like, am I going to get this right, or is like the head of the meditation hall going to run over here and. Tell me about how this is wrong. But uh, Blanche Hartman, the first abbess of Zen Center, she liked to break through the pressure by summing the whole thing up as this. We're going to unwrap our bowls, we're going to eat, we're going to wrap them back up, and no one's going to (laughs) die. Kind of the same thing with practice discussion. It's like uh, we could think of it as like a really high-pressure situation, sure. But really, all that's going to happen, it's like you'll go into a room, you'll have a seat, you'll talk about a Dharma topic, then you'll leave. <laughs> and if everything goes well, everyone's going to be okay. Um, one of the secret options, if through this talk you start pondering, and you're like, oh, you know, I think maybe I want to go for... a go like have a practice discussion with one of these practice leaders who's out here on the board. Um, most of them are totally open to taking a walk and doing practice discussion. It feels way less high stakes if you're walking down Waller Street um, than if you're in a small room. So you have that as an option. So say so you come in, you sit down, and then it's time to talk. What on earth do you talk about? Would anyone wonder? Some of, the, some of the obvious things. Um, one way to sum this up, as it's put kind of in the, in the old text, sort of paraphrasing them, is asking about, in relationship to my practice now, like describing, this is, this is what I'm observing, this is, what, this is how I'm relating to it, and this is the practice that I'm doing, and then this is what I'm seeing. These are some of the challenges I'm having with that. In the um, formulaic way, it's, what's skillful? It's like asking, in this situation, what's skillful? What's beneficial? What's going to lead to my long-term welfare? Um, But again, to emphasize that whatever question you put into the room, it's entering into a field of giving. It's like a field of generosity. Whatever you you offer is just, in most cases, just being held in this really warm, open way. So I I find practice discussion one of those places where I can can take a little bit of risk and grow my trust. While it seems kind of high stakes, in some ways, it's also incredibly low stakes. Because the person you're sitting across from is training in non-judgment. We've been doing it for years. Whatever arises, totally welcome. One of the reasons that this is actually revolutionary, and I I know I'm kind of making light of it, but um, I do want to emphasize this point: it's a place, it's a place where you can you can discuss and you can bring up things where there is no no damage to your social life. You know, those things those things that are kind of on your heart, but you don't really want to bring up. Can I talk about this with my friend? It's kind of risky you ever have any of that inner monologue? This is a place that's kind of free of that. It's really safe in that way. So what's skillful? What's blameless? How should I practice? You know, for a long time, I I went to practice discussions and I just sort of trusted that being in the soup was kind of cooking me. And then I didn't really think about them very much afterward, after the fact. Until one time, I went to a a kind of decisive practice discussion and I asked the teacher at the end, like, you know, given what we've talked about, what should I do? Like, how, how should I carry this forward? He said this really, like, totally obvious thing that changed my practice discussion practice. And that was, oh, I hope that you think about this and remember and then reflect on what we've said, and consider how you want to carry it forward. And it was that simple. And I started, I started journaling about, a little bit about what we talked about. Um, reflecting on possibilities that it opened up for me. Yeah. So I've been emphasizing the simplicity of the form. Coming in, sitting down, talking about dharma, saying thank you and goodbye. There's also this other piece that is very profound. But I think practice discussion is one of, it's one of the best places where we see the teaching and actual life come together. It's like dharma meets your actual life in the presence of another human. And there's something very profound and mysterious about how that bubbles up and comes together, and what we come to know about ourselves through the process. When we enter the room, so to speak, often we bring all kinds of attitudes. I talked about that first one where I was petrified, right? and we bring, in, we bring in luggage into the room. Um, and that, that's where it starts. That's where the observation starts. It's like, oh, check that out. I'm coming into this room and I'm totally nervous. I wonder what that's about. I have completely had the practice discussion with a teacher that was like, something feels really familiar here with you and I'm totally scared. And that became the basis for the conversation. So, really, anything goes. But checking out the attitudes we bring into the room, checking out the attitudes we bring into practice discussion, that's, that's worth our reflection. All these things considered, in terms of attitude and content, one of the encouragements is to raise a topic that uh, can have an influence on your practice. So, for example, if I'm, if I'm meditating and I'm consistently having a certain kind of Certain kind of difficulty. Raising, raising that particular question in practice discussion could have a difference in how I do my meditation practice. You know, it's something consequential. It can be your daily life practice. Oh, I'm noticing this is really up when I'm, when I'm interacting with X person. I notice a lot of agitation arising in me frequently. Or I notice I'm... I'm uh, getting sleepy around three and I'm, I'm having a really hard time focusing, you know, what can I do? Something that matters. And what I what found personally over time is like, I'm, I bring something that matters, but I bring something that's within my realm of trust for the, for the connection, for that relationship. And then if I, like, keep, I don't know if this was just a hobby of mine, I don't know if anyone, does, anyone else does this, but I would just like share a little more and feel a little bit more safe. And then share a little more and feel a little bit more safe. Until now, over the span of years, I had this, um, this teacher that I've been meeting with for, for years and I feel really like I can totally be unencumbered with this person um, in, a, in a rare way. Yeah, yeah. So then there's the person sitting opposite you, right? I've been talking a lot about you know, what we bring into the room and the content, what we bring up. At times, it seems like there's very little going on over there. I've certainly sat across from teachers, and it's like total mirror, total blank screen, you know? And I've, I've been across other teachers who totally seem like a dancing joyful, it looks like they're at a party or something, you know. There's a lot of energy in the room. Regardless regardless of any of those given styles, there's something there's something about being there with them that demonstrates demonstrates something to me about what it is to have an open heart. And how that's that's expressed in the particulars of a human life. It's like we come to recognize something about the Dharma and how it's lived and how it develops in a person. One of my other encouragements regarding the the person who is sitting on the the other side is uh, check teachers out. Check them out for a long time, you know? Um, And what that means is like, in the the text anyway, what it is, is uh, observe how they behave, observe how they speak, and check to see, is there greed operating here? Is there hatred operating here? Is there delusion operating here? Or are the opposites there? Can I see in this other human um, generosity? Can I see their goodwill? Can I see their clear seeing? And see how you can tune into that. But really spend your time checking them out. The scope of what we may talk about? Teachers have all kinds of approaches to this. Some of them Totally meditation, nothing else. Completely. Happens. Others, anything goes, more or less. Uh, and then most people are kind of in the middle somewhere. But it can, be, it can be a really fruitful discussion to have have the talk with someone you're interested in having a practice discussion with. Like, oh what, you know, how do we do this? What do we talk about here? And get a sense of sense of uh, how to bring how to bring forward something fruitful for that that particular connection. One more image I want to bring forth is that of um, practice discussion over the long term. It's kind of like kind of like um, apprenticing to learn how to play an instrument. You know, there can be Say you're learning how to play the the cello, right? And you you know how to read music, so that's a good start. Um, You have your bit of sheet music. That's our dharma on paper. Our dharma on paper is just this sheet music. And then you listen to the recordings of someone who's been, it's like Yo-Yo Ma, who's been playing for like 60 years, right? And you can hear all this subtlety and beauty and shade and like, all this interpretation that happens. And the, the sort of apprenticeship, in terms of, in terms of the cello, is like, you bring forward your music. This is how I play this bit of sheet music. And then you have, this, you have this other person there in the room listening, who's not like, I don't think, disciplining, but they're like, wow, you know, I hear this. I hear this in you. Do you notice this in how you play? Have you considered this possibility? And then you grow, like your skill and your subtlety starts to grow in terms of the instrument. Same thing with the Dharma. It's like we have this written Dharma and we have these... We're so lucky for, for folks who are motivated to study, study the Buddhist teaching. We have a place like this where I think there are people living up the street who have been doing this for 50 years. You know, it's pretty... Pretty unbelievable. How is it that they think about the dharma? How do I hear the virtues and the eightfold path developing in this life? Someone who's so deeply integrated it. That's remarkable. So, practice discussion as good friendship, good dharma friendship. There's an old poem in the Teri Gata, Verses of the Elder Nuns, Kisa Gotami. And she says that having admirable friends has been praised. Associating with an admirable friend, even a fool becomes wise. There's hope for me. <laughs> people of integrity should be associated with. In that way, discernment grows. Associating with people of integrity, one would be released from all suffering, would know suffering and stress, the origination of stress and the ending, and the Noble Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths. as something that supports the development of a life in peace, in recognizing, recognizing the path of peace, learning how to speak about it, learning in your own language how to speak about it, and then learning how to embody it, live it, be it in the world. Practice discussion. It's a real support. Dharma friendship is a real support. And then there's a bonus. And the bonus is this, sometimes when people come off retreat, come out of Sashin, they'll say, they'll say, Koto, I had a fabulous time on this retreat. It was, it was really deep for me. I've, I've not ever seen my mind or my heart in this way before. How can I keep this going? Sometimes that happens. And this practice of good friendship, connecting, connecting with Dharma friends, is is pointed to directly in these old texts as one of the factors that helps us from sort of like declining in the fruits of whatever we've touched and the stillness either declining or not integrating so last thing is so Yes, Kodo, practice discussion is beneficial. I agree with you now. (laughs) Uh, If I want to do this, how do I do it? There's this whole bulletin board in the hallway over here, next to the bookstore hallway. I think there are like 20 or 25 practice leaders up there. Some of them you may know, some of them you don't. Several of them are YAZ facilitators. And there's contact information for most everyone up there. Just if if you wanted to, you know, See, if you see someone up there and you're like, "Yeah, I think I could, I think I could go there," feel free. And if contact information isn't available for anyone up there, uh, the front office is a good way to connect. If not that, just email me and I can I can connect you. So, yeah. Practice discussion as this practice of recognizing, this practice of articulating, this practice of embodying. Um, maybe I hope that um, talking about it a little bit can make it just a shade more approachable. And then for, for those who are engaging in practice discussion already, um, give some sense of some of the places you can go with it, the possibilities that are there. But i, I found over the years that it's a really helpful thing. Uh, thank you very much. to see if there are any pressing questions. Okay. Could you, for, I guess, during practice discussions, it's pretty common for people to bring up very personal things. So could you um, outline the difference between like a therapist-patient relationship, teacher-student relationship? Great. Great. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. This is a, this is a, a big point. And actually different, um, different practice leaders will have a different... Orientation to this, so it's something—it's something really to to iron out with uh, with them. The I find that one of the primary differences between, say, a relationship with a therapist and the relationship with a practice leader is that with a with a practice leader, the orientation is explicitly how does how does the Buddha Dharma uh, how is that supportive as a lens for X Y Z situation. So. Um, in theory, you could bring up the exact same situation and a therapist might have a, a whole host of interventions that they do. Um, but my, my approach particularly is how, do, how does the dharma shine a light on this and what does it reveal as a possibility? Um, it, is that a useful, quick distinction? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.